Welcome to It's All About Who You Know with host Craig Turner from Momento, the business growth agency. On our podcast, Craig interviews executives from chambers of commerce around the United States and Canada, tapping into their expertise on how to get the most value from your business associations, how their organizations are serving their members, and what's happening in their market for companies looking to grow there. Here's Craig Turner. Welcome to the It's All About Who You Know podcast, brought to you by Momentum, the business growth agency. I'm Craig Turner, your host, and we've got another great episode for you today. We're going to stay in the Lone Star State today for our second episode in a row, and I am pumped to be there. Since we're physically located in Buffalo, in the eastern part of the country, it was natural for us to spend the bulk of our earliest podcast episodes east of the Mississippi. But thanks to some really great referral partners, we're on a pretty good run expanding westward now, and I'm so excited about it. All of the perspectives we're pulling from different parts of the country, large cities, small cities, rural communities, are painting a vivid picture of the importance of chambers of commerce everywhere. And even more so, painting a vivid picture of why you need to get involved with yours. I'm excited today to be joined by Henry Florsheim, President and CEO of the Wichita Falls Chamber of Commerce in Texas. Henry was another referral from the network, which I love because we keep getting chamber leaders who not only love the chamber industry, but love talking about it so much that they have colleagues and peers telling me that I need to talk to them. <laughs> Back-to-back episodes in Texas. Henry, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm, I was glad to be asked. So let me start by just giving him a quick a formal intro, and then, and then we can start the conversation. So Henry Florsheim is the president and CEO for the Wichita Falls Chamber of Commerce, a 700-member chamber and economic development organization with 12 employees and hundreds of volunteers. A native of Monroe, Louisiana, Florsheim is a graduate of the University of Louisiana at Monroe in business management and the University of Oklahoma's Economic Development Institute. He has an MBA from Louisiana Tech University and is an alumnus of Leadership Louisiana. Henry received his IOM designation from the Institute of Organizational Management and now serves on the Board of Regents for the organization. In fact, I believe I just saw on LinkedIn that you were recently named vice chair. So congratulations for that. Henry also serves as a board member for the Texas Association of Business and Texas Chamber of Commerce Executives and represents Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls at a national level in the Air Education and Training Commander Civic Leaders Group. Since Henry's arrival in Wichita Falls, the Chamber has won several national and statewide awards for marketing and economic development and has landed close to $500 million in capital investment for the region. A creative problem solver, Henry has more than 20 years of economic development experience and a history of developing successful strategic partnerships, which I'm sure we'll talk about today because that's a huge piece of the chamber puzzle after the pandemic. Henry and his wife, Kimberly, have six children and have served as foster parents to many other children in need. So Henry, thank you for being here. Again, you're very busy and I appreciate you taking some time with us. Let's start with an intro to the Wichita Falls Chamber of Commerce. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization? Sure. So let me start with Wichita Falls because most people have no idea where we're at. And in fact, uh, so yet, like you said, we're in Texas, but we sell shirts that say Wichita Falls, Texas, not in Kansas, never were. And Jason Camus loves this one because he's up there in Kansas. But everybody, everybody assumes we're Wichita, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there have been people that got on the wrong plane and got off at the wrong airport. Wow. Because they didn't, they didn't know there were two cities with Wichita in the name. So we are two hours northwest of Dallas, two hours southwest of Oklahoma City. We're about 15 minutes from the Oklahoma, Oklahoma border. And so a lot more people have been through here than have stopped. Because if you're anywhere in the south or southeast and you're going skiing in Colorado, you're driving through Wichita Falls to get there. 
So we are, our community is known for Shepherd Air Force Base. We are a flight training base home to the only Euro-NATO American flight training partnership. And so there are 15 different Euro-NATO countries that train flight students here. They send flight instructors and students. And then uh, we're also known for a, a big event called the Hotter Now 100. It is the single, it's the largest single day endurance bike ride in the country. And it's done in late August. And so 100 miles in 100 degree weather. The, the chamber, I've been here for eight and a half years. The chamber, uh, we serve as the economic developer for the community. Our EDC hires us to, to organize and manage an economic development program, heavily involved in, in local and statewide advocacy. And then pretty innovative on the programming side as well. So we got, when we're fully staffed, we've got 11 employees, about half economic development, half on the, on the membership and event side. And we pushed the envelope. I'm a change agent. And, and when I got here, our chamber needed some change. We, we looked nothing like we did eight and a half years ago. And so that whole mantra about things not being sacred or, or you know, in the chamber business, it's hard because change is hard. But if you're going to grow, if you're going to, you know, continue to survive, you got to change. And so that's, that's what we do. We're constantly looking at how can we be better tomorrow than we were today? And so whether an event or a program or a prospect visit goes great or horribly, we're always going to meet afterwards as a team to talk about what we liked about it and what, what where the areas are for, for improvement. And so over time, that can really transform a place. And then it, it might feel like it was overnight to some people, but those of us involved in it know that it's a long process of, of just you know, moderate incremental improvements over time. And so happy to be here, happy to tell our story, and, and I appreciate the invitation. I want to dig into the economic development focus in a little bit because that, that's where my background is too. But let's, let's first start, start uh, talking about uh, Wichita Falls. What's going on in the region? What are the opportunities that you have in front of you? But, but what are the challenges too that you're seeing? Sure. So uh, we're a manufacturing community. Workforce is tight like it is everywhere. Before COVID, we had gotten down to 2.9%. And it's, it's starting to drop again. Our, our latest numbers, I believe, were 3.6%. And the challenge we've had, so Wichita Falls has not grown or shrunk in 50 years. We've been sitting right around 104,000 people for a long, long time. And I'll attribute that to a couple of things. The, the reason we haven't shrunk, I believe, is we've got a higher than average concentration of government jobs. Air Force, there's a large prison here. The North Texas State Hospital employs a couple of thousand people. And then you're, you know, like everybody's got, we've got a four-year university and your community college and all that. And so those are a little more recession-proof. And so you ha we haven't, shrunk when other places were struggling, but we haven't grown because I think the, the city leadership, the community leadership for 40 years, it seems like their strategy was just not to spend money. And that thinking that that would, that would somehow equate to lower taxes, which would equate to more people moving in. And we all know these days that people look for a city first. And, and then look for a job in that city. So you got to be a place where people want to live. And so we've been pushing that since I got here, the whole concept just of quality of life as economic development. 
we hadn't built new schools in a long time. And we just got a bond, a bond passed about a year ago to build the first two new high schools in Wichita Falls in, in nearly 60 years. A lot of downtown revitalization when the, the community had almost let downtown die and, and on and on, things like that, where we're, it, it's hard because you're trying to catch up all at once, which means constant push for funding for things. But I think the people in this community finally said, look, we want to be better than we were 20 years ago or two years ago. And so what are the things we've got to do to make that happen? And so we've been we've been very involved as a chamber in advocacy with the school district in advocacy for the Air Force base and then other pieces of quality of life, whether it's pushing to finish the trail that goes the hiking trail that goes around the city or downtown development or, or what have you. And so we've really taken a leadership role on a lot of those efforts, and it's helped create a whole new set of champions for the cause. Can you take me through the last eight and a half years? You said the, the chamber looks very different than it did eight and a half years ago, because what you're talking about, this economic development focus takes, and the kind of change that comes along with it takes communication, it takes buy-in, it takes, most importantly, funding. How did you do that? How did, how did you yeah. get to where they were eight and, a, eight and a half years ago to where you're focused on now? Well, and it starts with a vision right? It doesn't cost anything to share a vision with somebody. So when I got here, morale was bad, expectations were low, the chamber just wasn't accomplishing a whole lot. I mean, I, I had employees that would, they would fight with members about things. And it just wasn't, a, it wasn't a very healthy organization at the time. And the, the chamber board knew they wanted something different. They didn't know what. And I'm a change agent. And so when when we made the first staffing change about a month into my tenure here, that was when people started going, oh my God, I didn't think anything would ever change. And the challenge is you can't change it all at once. And that's what I've had to teach myself over time is to manage the pace of the implementation of change, managing that pace of change. And so we didn't have a good vision back then. We didn't have a strategy. Wichita Falls and the chamber were very similar in that we didn't have a real good path to where we wanted to get to because we didn't really know where we wanted to get to. You can't create a path if you don't know where you're going. And so we just started with some modest changes. And over time, we've been able to develop more supporters for specific things we've advocated for. We've been able to get the right staff in place and advocate for more funding from our economic development partners so we can do more on that side and uh, making our events and programs more essential and relevant to the business community and doing things that they want and meeting members where they are and connecting with them where they are. And so that means things like, you know, you never would have expected this eight years ago, but, but now we're on TikTok and we're very active on Instagram. And I won't say that I am, but my staff is. And so we're delivering content to all of our various targets where they are. And I think that communication piece is one that can really help set the stage for future development. Because when I first got here, I started talking about who we could be as a chamber and started talking about who we could be as a community. And downtown revitalization was a good example. Like most communities, we had a mall, you know, the mall owner purchased cheap land out on the outskirts of town 40 years ago and built a mall and the department stores left downtown and then the bank started to leave and then everybody else started to leave. And there was not a, enough of a vision or support system to keep that from happening. And so when I got here, there was at 5.01 in the afternoon, 
it was a ghost town. There was one bar and you could smoke in it back then. And so most people didn't want to go there. There wasn't a good restaurant scene or anything. And, and so we just started talking about it. And over time, you get enough people interested in something and people start taking risks and they start believing in that vision. And now our downtown is booming at, at 501 is when it really kicks off. And we've got a dozen bars and more restaurants than that and tons of attractions and conversations about funding for streetscapes and things like that. It doesn't cost us anything to have that conversation. And, and the cool thing about my position is that I've got an audience, you know, right. the news media calls me. our members want to see our emails. And so that's allowed us to, to develop new ways to deliver content to people, live video, for example. And so that, that just lets us tell whatever story we want to tell. Like I said, it doesn't cost us anything to do that. And that ends up getting us new members or sponsors for a certain program because they liked one particular thing that we were doing that opened up the dialogue. And all of a sudden they're, you know, champions for the entire cause, which is really cool. And so uh, if you compare us, we're in a new location. When I first got here, we were on the second floor of an old office building downtown, had been there for 50 years. Nobody knew where we were. There wasn't good signage, which is just silly for a chamber. And so I told them when I interviewed, I said, if you hire me, we're going to move at some point. And we finally did. We're on a, a busy storefront corner downtown in a historic office building. Uh, got great signage, great picture windows. We've, we've got a, a big mural. We had a local artist paint in the lobby. We've got a boardroom our members can use now. And it's it's vibrant and airy and welcoming. And, and it's it's nice to come to work now. Whereas before it was just dated, very old and not a good representation of the community that you're trying to, to, to portray. And so we're not anywhere near perfect, but we're better. And, and we, we focus a lot internally on things like Gallup Strength Finders. And, and so we, we have learned a lot about ourselves and each one of the team members. And so I know that like for, and if you look at those things, there's no right answer, right? But for me, competition is very low. So I'm not trying to be number one. I just want us to continually be better than we were before. And so that allows us to always be thinking about what's next. And we will end up being amazing one day. And in, in a lot of ways we are now, but we've still got tons of stuff we need to get better at. And, and so it's just a healthy conversation that we have about what, what's great. What do we love about this? And, and okay, how can it be even better next time? And if you can do that, if you can implement that sort of thought process into your operations, you can't help but get better. And that's what we've done. And the presentation is so important. You're absolutely right. What kind of organization we're going to be. And actually, we, we don't use the video for the podcast, but I can see over your shoulder out the window at the at the business district there. It looks, it looks fantastic. Although you did yeah. tell me, what did you say? It was 103 yesterday degrees? Yeah, 103 degrees <laughs> yesterday. But it's a very vibrant downtown now. And, and we're, we're very fortunate. That building you see right across the street, is it's a, it's a two-story office building with a bank connected to it. The bank shut down this branch a couple of years ago. And a coffee shop that was two blocks down the street just moved into it a few months ago. So now there's even more life on this particular block than there was before. And it's just fun. It's an upbeat environment. And yeah, it's that location is everything. It, it, your location can hurt you. Ours wasn't doing us any favors at all before. Now it helps because we got great signage outside. You can see us for blocks and people now people learn where we are and they don't forget. 
And, and that's what we wanted. You know, we're, the chamber is not just the staff. It's not just the building. It's not just the volunteers and the members. It's all that stuff. And now our facility is a big part of who we are. So I interviewed your colleague in Texas, uh, Jim Johnson, in our last episode, and he said something that I, I thought was is was pretty well stated and, and relevant to what you're saying, which is this transition over time from the chamber of being valuable to the chamber as being essential. And as we do these podcast episodes, a lot of that transition was happening before the pandemic. I think the pandemic seemed to uh, speed it up, speed up the need for it. But as you're going through your transition over the last eight and a half years, all of a sudden, March of 2020, things had to change. How did that affect what you were what you were working to accomplish? Tremendously. And we were already on our way to becoming essential. But I don't know that we were there yet. We certainly weren't there across the board yet. And so COVID hits. And I still remember I was I was on an Air Force trip. And when I left, this was to Florida, when I when I left the, when I was fly, flying from Dallas to, to Destin, the airport was pretty busy. I was there for four days. And when I came back, it was empty. And so that was right the time when all the restrictions started coming down and people started taking this thing seriously. And so I get back and we go, this was, this was in March. Now we go and start working from home. Our staff of 11 was working from home, never done it before, didn't plan for it. So we immediately had the issues of the phones and how are we going to compete with each other and that's uh, communicate with each other and that sort of thing. And over the next couple of days, we figured all that out and we started thinking about, well, how do we, what value we can't have events. What are we doing? And so I started my, my marketing director had been pushing me to do more video content. And so I, I started recording and video from home every day, about things business people should be thinking about. You know, a lot of it's just real simple. Um, connect with your, your lawyer and your banker and your CPA and just make sure you're ready for this. And, and I would start updating our membership on the changing COVID regulations because every day, you know, the city and the county and the state and the feds were all different. And so we became a trusted source of, of content. And my marketing director kept pushing me and she wanted me to do live video and I'd never done it before. And I was not interested in at all. And then I did one and I did another and I got all of a sudden several thousand people are watching and they're commenting while I'm talking. And I'm like, holy cow, this is just like doing a civic club presentation, getting to engage with the audience where the recorded video you can. Plus what we've learned is when you record content and upload it, it needs to be perfect and people won't give grace for that. But if you're doing it live and you screw up, Nobody cares whatsoever, as long as you don't make a big deal about it. And so you fast forward two, two plus years from that. I do a Facebook live video almost every morning at, at my desk between 7 and 7.30 about business news, community news, what I cooked last night, just random observations. We've got a sponsor for it. And we're still sometimes we're getting a thousand, two thousand views on that thing. And it's and again, it has helped us develop a new audience. It gives us a new way to communicate the message. And so by sharing community updates with people, it develops this more of this audience that I can tell them the stuff that I really want them to know about what we're doing. And that has 
you know, now our ad, our sponsorships for it are sold out. And I have people sending me content that they want me to share. Wow. That used to be, it, you know, people want us to send an email about their stuff, right? Or they want us to post their content and you're limited in how much of that you can do. But in a 10 minute video, for me to spend 20 seconds of that on something or 10 seconds on something, very valuable to the person who asked me to do it, but it doesn't dilute my message at all. And so it's given us another way to show value to people and it's pretty cool. And so now it's funny because I'm even more recognized now than I was before. And I was before because being on the news a lot, I'll go to the grocery store with my kids and they just laugh. It's like, daddy, you know, everybody in town and whether I like it or not, it's, it's a healthy thing for the chamber, you know, because people can associate us with, with a face and not just with the name chamber because I'm not from here. And so that we were, we started doing different types of content during COVID. Uh, I started a, a live interview show and we did it for a couple of months and I brought in people, I brought in, I, I zoomed in with people that were vital to the COVID conversation. So we did the mayor, county judge, city manager, hospital CEO, state senator, and a few others. I'm sitting there at my house with a, a lamp with the lampshade off as my ring light. My top half is my suit and tie, and I'm wearing shorts and I'm barefooted doing a live hour-long interview show with the mayor with 30,000 people watching. It was the craziest thing in the world, but it just made us all realize, look, there's we can do way more to get our message out than we ever thought how we used to do it. And, and so now we think about video first. We think about lives first, even when we're promoting an upcoming event. We, we even, we had our annual meeting got postponed because of snow. Yeah, it was 103 yesterday, but two months ago, our annual meeting got postponed because of snow. So before we went home that day, uh, our event manager went out on the street and shot a live video doing like a, a breaking newscast to let people know we were postponing the, the, the meeting. And she had two of our coworkers behind her unloading a car slipping and falling on the snow kind of kind of intentionally because the whole it was just covered so we have we have personality now that we didn't have before and and so one of our mantras is don't be boring because you've you've seen chambers you know how many of them do this you know communicate the same way they always have i see chambers and, and some of them are run by friends of mine that once a week or once a month they just post something on facebook that says read our new newsletter who cares? Why, why is that attractive, right? At least tease people with what the content is. But I guarantee you open it up and it looks exactly like last month, but maybe with a different picture and a different headline. Yep. And so when you're doing video, especially live, it's so much easier to be timely. And we will never go back to that you know, 14 page printed newsletter or even emailed newsletter. We we're much more focused on little bits of content here and there and quick emails about a single topic than we are about dumping everything on you all the time. And so those, the way we communicate now has changed everything. It's changed how we do membership. It's changed how people follow us. It has changed how we deliver content and how we're viewed in the community. And so it's, uh, it's been a fun transition. Hasn't been easy, but it's, it has paid off for sure. 
That's fantastic. There's a lot for uh, your your colleagues in chamber executive management to take away from that segment. So we'll we'll call that segment out in social media. Yeah, there um, we go. Let me ask you this. So a city that you said had 104,000 people for, for 40 years. How do you, with everything you have going on right now, and times are changing and things are changing in which stuff falls, how do you now shepherd the community through the, the bigger conversation about the future when you're looking at 10 years from now, 25 sure. years from now, even a half century from now? So about five years ago, we were at a meeting with our Economic Development Corporation. And like I said, they hire us to do economic development. And this community had always looked to that group as they were the leaders in economic development. And we were having a conversation about some of the things holding us back as a community. And the fact that all of our schools were old came up and it just struck us all at the same time. Well, the EDC can't do anything about schools. That's the school board. And so that led us to a conversation, which led us to hiring a, a strategic planning consultant, which led us to developing a, a holistic community-wide strategy to grow the city. And they asked me to be the leader of, of, of the development of that strategy and then of the implementation of it. And so that helped us identify the new school conversation as a, as a target and citizens voted yes. We've done a lot to better connect Shepherd Air Force Base with the community. We developed a, a new bicycle-friendly initiative that's really gotten some traction, some new stuff downtown, some new economic development work. And as a matter of fact, right now, we're, we're in the process of updating that plan. And so, and again, they've asked us to lead it and, and to lead the implementation of it. And so we're having conversations every day with a real diverse group of people about what these pieces are that we need to work on next. And so I'm able to talk about that stuff on my Facebook Live every morning. And so I've got this whole other audience. It's not involved in that at all. Now listening, the media, it's funny, our, our TV reporters, they watch the show and then will call me, hey, I want, I want to talk to that business you mentioned, or hey, I want to come talk to you about that school thing or, or whatever. And so we're right in the middle of it, whereas eight and a half years ago, we were not at all. And it just goes back to the opportunity we've all got to be a thought leader in our community. And, and I realize some chambers have never been set up to do that, but people will listen. If you can, if you deliver a consistent message over time, people will start to listen to it. And that's what's happened with us. And so now uh, they come to us first. Now people come to us with uh, thoughts and questions and things they want us to do. And that allows us to pull them into the fold. Well, what's great is you've got that third-party validation where the actual city leaders are saying the chamber is where this community forum is going to happen. And that's huge because now you've got, you're, you're trying to get your own audience, but at the same time, they're sending audience to you. Yeah. And in most communities, it's the chamber who everybody else has a much more specific mission, right? Downtown development has a specific footprint. Your, your colleges and your high schools, they're focused on the educate, solely on the education piece or almost solely. You're, and so everybody's got a very specific mission, whereas our mission statement, and, and I, I would bet that most chambers could use something similar, ours is to build a better Wichita Falls through economic development and business support. Very simple. And so if it fits into that, if it fits into that umbrella, it's something we ought to be doing. If it doesn't, then it's not. But the cool thing is, Economic development now focuses so much 
more on quality of life than just you know business attraction, for example. And the reason it does that is because talent development is our biggest issue in, in almost every community. And to get the talent, you got to have a good community. And so building a trail around the city where people can hike and bike on it helps with our economic development efforts. And so we can get involved in things we would never have thought of doing 20 years ago. And so we're, we're that go-to entity now. We're that neutral party, unlike any other organization in town, whose job is whatever it takes to build a better Wichita Falls. And so sometimes that's business recruitment. And sometimes that's advocating for more public art and everything in between. Absolutely. Let me switch from uh, the chamber. We talked about the chamber to, to you as a chamber leader. In your role, uh, community leader, what gets you excited? What gets you out of bed in the morning? It's the impact we get to make. And so I love thinking about the fact when we, let me give you an example. When I first got here, there was a, the school board had an election pending, trying to consolidate three high schools into one. And it crashed and burned miserably for a lot of different reasons. And it was a pretty toxic environment. And I was like, holy cow, what have I gotten myself into? But I called our board together and I said, I said, we've got a responsibility and an opportunity here. And so we talked about what we could do. And we ended up surveying our members and asking them, where do we see the most need for improvement in our workforce and education structures? And they overwhelmingly told us career and technical ed at the high school level. So we took that data to the school board and the superintendent and said, listen, if you come back with a proposal to improve this piece of what you do, we'll help you pass it. And to their credit, they did. Less than a year later, after being destroyed in an election, they came back with a plan to take a, a hidden little career and technical ed center at a bad school with four programs. And we got it passed about, let's see, 61% in favor of to build a $30 million center that's now got, I think, 30 curriculum in it that are doing both career prep straight out of high school and some college prep stuff too. And so that success then led us to advocating for the new high school construction, which we got passed as well. And to hear school board members saying that none of that would have happened if not for the chamber, that's huge, right? That's changing the trajectory of a city. And that's the type of stuff that we can do. I still talk to some of my colleagues that their biggest project is the annual Easter basket parade or something like that. And yeah, every community is different, but my vision and what gets me wired is thinking about what's next. How do we, that incremental improvement, and then every once in a while you have a huge step forward like new schools, what can we do next? And so we're, we're able to be involved in those conversations and actually able to move the needle on some of them. And that is just a cool thing. It really is. Yes. And it, it, my, my time at the, at the chamber to see interesting, I, I've been gone from the chamber for eight years now, and I still see things that, that I impacted at the time I was there running government yeah, relations. Awesome. It's, it's fantastic. So my favorite question that we ask on, on, on the podcast is uh, in the chamber world, there's always lots of ideas. You have your own ideas, your staff, your members, your board, everyone's got ideas. And most of them are, are good ideas, but a lot of them can't really go forward unless they find the, the you know, enough funding to actually move them forward. Yeah. So if you had a blank check in your role as, as a community leader there to spend, what would you spend it on? 
I would streetscape the entire downtown district. We, we've made a ton of progress here on the private investment side, but not on, the, not on getting large amounts of public funding for that sort of thing. And so, you know, when you go to a downtown, like, and I'll use some down from the South, right? Bourbon Street, when you go to a district like that, or Sundance Square in Fort Worth, or Bricktown in Oklahoma City, or Sixth Street in Austin, you know where you are. And it's not just because of the businesses that you see, but the environment that the community's created around that. And that's the thing we're still lacking right now, trying to figure that out. In terms of the chamber itself, we've got the right location now. You know what I would do? We would, we would, and actually we would need to expand the office for this, but we, we need more staff. This business is so staff driven that my team is, is stretched. And so we could use three or four support staff to help them do the big things that they're doing without getting bogged down in administrative work and that sort of thing. Cause we've got, we got our team, we've got a couple of vacancies right now, but we basically got the, the staffing structure where we need it to be. We just need a little more support and uh, we can do big things. I get that. Yeah. We've built our entire business model around the fact that chambers hire the right people that are service minded and want to help every member they possibly can but nobody's got enough to help all their members. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the big challenge is this. We, we want to be all things to all people. We want to tackle the big issues, but anything we, assuming that we are managing our staff and our time properly right now, anything new we want to do requires us to stop doing something else or it requires additional staffing to do it. And so to my colleagues listening, make sure you're, you're not taking on, on more than you can bite off and, and handle without that support because you're asking for it, right? And so I'll, I'll always ask somebody, if a board member comes to me with an idea, it's like, okay, I like it. Let's talk to the board about it. What do you want us to stop doing? Or, or are you gonna help us find funding to, to add staff to do it? It's, it's vital. Absolutely. So part of getting a position like yours is staying in the know all the time, staying inspired. Are there any books, blogs, podcasts that you uh, subscribe to that, that you'd wanna share? It's funny. So. Um, yes, in terms of podcasts, I, I mostly follow escapism. I'm a, I'm a big movie guy and, and TV guy. And so when I'm in the car, I'm listening to entertainment stuff. And so I, I follow, there's a podcast called Smart List with, with uh, oh God, Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. And they enter, they, each, one, each episode, one of them brings in a guest that the other two don't know they're bringing in. And I mean, there's been some huge names in there from sports and movies and others, and they're, and they're funny. And then I follow one called Pod Mortem, which is about horror movies, which is just awesome. But I am reading a book right now that I've been reading and rereading. Uh, it's called 13 Ways to Kill Your Community. And so if you're looking for something interesting and an easy read in economic development, it's by Doug Griffiths and Kelly Klimmer called 13 Ways to Kill Your Community. It's about a guy uh, from Canada who became some sort of a county executive and his travels around Canada trying to help small towns uh, not die like, like they tend to. And so 13 chapters, 13 ways to kill your community, things like ignore your youth, don't attract business, reject everything new, uh, ignore outsiders, live in the past. And so a lot of these things I can, I can, give specific examples of how we've messed them up in our community over the years. And so it's a really easy read. 
it's a lot of anecdotes about the guy and his conversations with people in these small towns that thought they had the answers. And just most of the time they don't because most more often than not, the smaller the town, the more likely the decision makers there have never lived anywhere else. Right. It's the guy or the girl that's that grew up there, knows everybody. And they're the ones that end up being mayor or running the city or whatever. And so if you haven't left, if you haven't traveled, you don't know what's good about your place and you don't know what others have done to address the issues that you need to address. And we have the same issue here. And and so the people that that like Wichita Falls the most are the ones that have come here from somewhere else or they're from here, they've left, they went to college somewhere else, they've traveled extensively and they come back and they see, okay, uh, what we've got here is pretty cool. And here's some things we might could do to make it even better. And that's what this book's all about. That sounds like a book that not only would I want to recommend, but I'd want to gift it to some people too. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I've been, I've really been thinking about um, at some point starting to give it to all our board members Yeah, because, you know, they, you get board members on and a lot of times it's just because, well, hey, that company needs to have a board member and we ask their CEO and they put this guy up yep. or what, you know, they're not always picked because they are experts at governance. And that's one place we screw up. But you can do a lot to help your board understand how to how to better govern. And for example, if you've got a board, if you got board members that are trying to get involved in your everyday business and manage your staff and give them directives, you got to fix it. And so over time, the way to fix it is to recruit the right board members. Earlier, the, the way to do it is to bring in facilitators to help train because you can't, I can't be the voice to tell them, you know, you bring in an outsider and you can do more. And so putting thoughts like this book in front of them and giving them things to think about can, can help, can certainly help when we're trying to work on these gnarly big picture issues. Absolutely. Well, thank you for thank you for that again. So I'm going to start to wrap things up, and I appreciate the, the time that you spent with us today. People want to learn more about North Texas, about the Wichita Falls Chamber, about Wichita Falls. Where, where's the best place to send them? Our TikTok. <laughs> I'm not I'm not there, but we are. Uh, WichitaFallsChamber.com is is our website. We'd love for you to follow us follow us on Facebook. LinkedIn, a little bit of content on Twitter. And then, like I said, Instagram and TikTok as well. And if somebody wants to, to send me an email, they can certainly send a note to Henry at WichitaFallsChamber.com. I love this business. I've got mentors in it and I mentor a bunch of other chamber execs as well. And so anytime we can get together and just share ideas and talk about experiences, I love it. So the Facebook Lives, do you run that through a group? Can anybody come on that? Do they have to be in a group first? Anybody can watch four of the five days a week. I post them from my public figure page on Facebook, but I also share them to my personal page and then a few community groups in town as well. And then one day a week, I, I start the videos from the Chamber's Facebook page. But so they're visible. But yeah, you can just like my public figure page if you want or or, I don't, you know, if somebody in this industry sends me a friend request, I'll, I accept it. I, I just had to start, you know, I had to start a public figure page because Facebook limits the number of friends you can have on Facebook. And I'm, I'm up against that wall. And so, yeah, I love, I have friends from all over the country that watch those videos from time to time. And so I'd love for somebody to see it. I've had some other chamber execs take those ideas and, and create their own content. And so if somebody wants to know how to do it, 
I'm just sitting, I just do Facebook lives from my laptop, sitting at my desk in my office every morning. The only extra tool I've got is a ring light, just because the lighting in my office in the morning is not great for that. And so you can do it on the cheap, easy, if you want to, and I can help somebody do it. Well, I say I wouldn't mind if uh, one of those 20 second plugs went to uh, this podcast after it's published. So (laughs) you got it. So we appreciate it. Well, Henry, thank you again for being here with us. I appreciate it. Our listeners appreciate it. I know that you're busy, so so the, the time is very valuable to us. I wish you and the Wichita Falls Chamber success and all the great work you're doing and the growth there in, in, in the city. I look forward to staying in touch. I actually followed both you and the Chamber on LinkedIn as of as of late, so I can stay on top of everything. And, and I am going to check out the Facebook Live just because I'm, I'm interested in how you do it. To our listeners, I hope that your Chamber of Commerce strategy is yielding results for you this year, whether it's for networking, advocacy, or helping the business, helping to grow the business community in your area. Your Chambers of Commerce continue to need your support, and they're there to help you meet your goals as well. If you're interested in learning how we can help you create a stronger relationship with your Chamber of Commerce, check out our website at www.momentumforbusinessgrowth.com. I also encourage you to connect with me, Craig Turner, on LinkedIn where I post weekly advice, information, and guidance on how to make the most of your Chamber of Commerce investments. Again, if you're doing business in North Texas or are interested in in Wichita Falls and the market, please check out www.wichitafallschamber.com and connect with Henry and his team. Henry, thank you again for being here with us. Thank you to our listeners, and we'll see you soon with another episode of the It's All About Who You Know podcast. Take care. Thank you, Craig.